Welcome to the My Beyond Life podcast. It is our hope that this podcast will help to equip, empower, and encourage you to live a life beyond the boundaries and into the abundant life Christ has for you. Today, Miss Amy will be discussing what's to think in your life. Satan is almost like a mockingbird. He can mimic sounds. He knows what you think the Holy Spirit sounds like. (laughs) And he does really good at mimicking that and making you feel that shame. And so what we do is we suppress. And so we have this, this real disappointment, whether it was unrealistic expectations or realistic, the disappointment is still real. And so we have this, and we don't know what to do with the, and so we stuff it. So we don't, bear, we, we don't bury it. We don't give it a grave marker. We don't acknowledge it. We stuff it in the closet of our heart or we stuff it in the closet of our mind. And then we don't go there. So we have these dead bodies of what this marriage was supposed to look like, what this job was supposed to look like, what my physical health was supposed to look like, what this season in my life was supposed to look like, what parenting was supposed to look like, what my uh, adult child was supposed to be. And so I have all this, and I don't know what to do with it, and so I just shove it in the closet of my mind. And I shove it in the closet of my heart. And then I expect it not to stink. But the problem is... Corpses stink. All it takes is a little passage of time. When we do not give it a proper burial, the stink doesn't just go around us. It gets in us. I saw or heard a prank one time. This man fell asleep on the couch and his family thought it would be hilarious to rub a little bit of Limburger cheese on his mustache. Okay, well, he woke up and he was like, ah, this living room reeks. Then he gets up and he walks down the hall. He's like, the hall stinks too. Then he goes in the bedroom and he's like, what is going on? The bedroom stinks. He goes walking around outside in his yard and finally he comes to the conclusion, the whole world stinks. (laughs) But that wasn't reality. What was reality was the stink was on him. It wasn't in the living room, it wasn't in the bedroom, and it wasn't out in the yard, it was on him. Well, in this particular case, the stink that we don't deal with gets in us, not just on us. And so we're walking around going, man, this relationship stinks. And then we go and we, we deal with another person. Wait, this relationship stinks too. We go to church. Church stinks. We go to work. Work is pretty smelly too. And then pretty soon, if we're not careful, we look all around and we go, the whole world stinks. But the whole world doesn't smell, does it? That marriage wasn't smelling. What was smelling was what we had stuffed and decomposing behind that closed door. So what we're going to take a look at today, say, what does all that have to do with Mary? What all that has to do with Mary is Mary had to have dealt with her disappointments as she went. Because it was one big disappointment 
after one big difficulty, after another big letdown, after another big disruption, one after another, after another. And, and, and they weren't short. They were long. A pregnancy is a long period of time. People treating you like they were treating her was a long period of time. So what we were dealing with here is we, we got to learn from her. Because apparently, she was able to give some things some proper burials. And then that, that cleansing and that releasing and that letting go, that process that you go through, when you go through a funeral and a burial, enables you to let it go. When you go through a funeral, you don't pick up the casket and take it back home with you. The whole purpose, the whole process is to give it a resting place. But when we stuff, we're dragging it with us everywhere we go, into the next relationship, into the next marriage, into the next job, into the next situation, into the next bedroom, whatever it is where we're going in the house, in life. We're taking it with us. So this woman who had this humongous disappointment when this angel came to her and said, uh, sorry, <laughs> ain't going to look like nothing you thought it was going to look like. She, he gave her this giant curveball, and she had to process this I believe that's what she was doing in those three months at Elizabeth's house, to be honest. I believe she was working through it. I believe she was trying to, to run it down in her mind how this was going to go, what life was going to look like, what was the reality she was going to go home to. Then she had the, the disappointment of when Joseph turned around and walked away. It wasn't a surprise to her, but was it a disappointment? Absolutely. Then the Lord cleared that up. He comes back, they get married, and then the regular everyday hard starts. The snubbing at the well, the whispers, the pointing, the uh, scoffing. And I'm going to tell you something that's hard, girls. This is hard. When you're right and nobody gets it. Okay? She and Joseph were blameless here. No matter what they said, no matter how they said it, no matter who they said it to, no one listened. And that's when it gets really hard because you love these people and you want what's best for these people and they're missing it and pretty soon that disappointment at them not getting it can turn into some anger real quick can turn into some frustration real quick so this is what's happening she's feeling all of these things and then another unexpected, another disappointment, another disruption comes her way. But what we're going to look at is how to drag out those disappointments, acknowledge them, work through them, talk about it, deal with it, and then we're better equipped to handle the next thing life throws our way. So Mary, I guess you could say, acknowledged, processed, worked through while she walked through. Okay, she acknowledged, she processed, then she worked through while she walked through. Because we don't have the luxury of, working, of, of, of hitting pause, working through it, and then hitting play again. That would be nice, wouldn't it? If we had the option of saying, Alexa, pause life for just a second. Our Alexa at home apparently is a teenager. She has an attitude. I will say something, she will totally ignore me. Sarah will say it, and she will listen. 
and I just really every mm, sometimes I just want to throw her in the trash can. She has an attitude. So anyway, what we we don't have the option of pausing and, and, and dealing with it and then jumping back in better equipped. Life doesn't do that. We gotta work through while we walk through. And so Mary was able to do that. Because how do I know? How do I know? Because when Caesar Augustus declared this decree and Joseph had the unfortunate opportunity of coming home and telling Mary the bad news, Mary didn't go pick it in front of Augustus's palace. That's not what I read. Mary didn't sit on the bed and say, I ain't going. You can just tell Caesar what to do with his Augustus. She, I didn't read that. Do you read that? It's not in there. It's not in there. In fact, if we read it in Luke chapter uh, number 2, look at what it says. And it came to pass in those days, verse 1, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. All right, now, pause just a second. Did it say there went out a decree that Mary and Joseph should be taxed? No. What did it say? Was this just her heart? Mm-mm. Everybody had to deal with this. I think that's one thing kind of, uh, that COVID has kind of caught, taught us. It's not just our heart, is it? Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's dealing with hard. And I think one of the gifts that COVID has given us is we realize we're all in this struggle together. This thing called humanity. We're in this together. We're on the same team. We're in the same fight. We're not against each other. We're struggling together. So how easy is it in your hardship to be like, woe is me. It's worse here than anywhere. No one has it as bad as me. No, how many now girls, come on. That's the first thing that pops through our mind after that little bleep word that we know we shouldn't have thought. You know what I'm saying? We're like, whoa, whoa, this is terrible. It's all against me. Now, I know, Mary, despite what several churches say, was not a saint. She was flesh and blood human. Do I think there were tears? Yes. Do I think she might have packed a little more forcefully than she needed to? Yes. Do I think she might have slammed a closet door? Uh-huh. Do I think Joseph, like, snuck out like this? <laughs> After he told her, oh, yes, every pregnant woman's husband has done that. Okay? Do I, is she human? Yes. But she did it. Because we read that there was this decree... And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So it wasn't just her heart. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was at the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Okay, so what does that tell me? It tells me she climbed on the back of the donkey. She did it. He didn't have to bind her and gag her and throw her on the back of the donkey. She climbed on as best she could in her situation. She might have needed a heave and a hoe, but she did it. 
So I, I, I need to know, how do you go from this devastating declaration from this angel to this hardship in your marriage to the everyday heart of everybody around you the stresses of a new marriage, the pregnancy hormones, all of that, the financial issues, all of the stuff that would have been there, there every day. How did she then climb on the donkey so sweetly? I'm not saying easily, but she did it. Now, we all know that the men, or that the Bible was penned by men, okay? And the reason we absolutely know that is because they don't give us details. If women had written the Bible, the Library of Congress couldn't have held it. Because we want the details. Okay? I love how God just had him sum it up with they went up. <laughs> they went up. What do you think that looked like? 70 to 85 mile trip. At least five days on the back of the donkey. Now get in the picture, girls. She's going to deliver in a few days. That's it. She's at the miserable point. The baby is tap dancing on her bladder. Okay, her food stays right here. She can't, you know, can't get a good breath. She can't swallow. It stays right there. Five nights sleeping on the hard, cold ground. And all they could say is she went up. But when we read scripture, don't we just go right over it? And we see the little picture in, of our uh, Christmas plays, and there's written, you know, and Mary's just walking along behind Joseph, like, how y'all doing? <laughs> just glad to be here. No, we got to realize what that went up looked like. It was hard. So she's gone through nine months of hard, and now she's got a, at least a five day, day trip of hard. And then, then, they finally get to Bethlehem, and the contractions hit. I'm sure she'd been having them for a while, and I'm sure she hadn't said a word to Joseph because she didn't want to freak him out. Did y'all know how that is? But before we get to the Bethlehem part, I want to know how to win up better. I want to know how to climb on the donkeys of hard in my life and do it well. How did, how did, how, <laughs> how? It's the great mystery of life. How? Every woman wants to know. Well, I think as she worked through, as she walked through, Mary, in, in other words, metabolized this disappointment. She worked through it. She worked it off. Okay? And when disappointments don't get worked through, and when disappointments don't get worked on and worked out, they're going to stick on you like fat on your thighs. Okay? It's, it's just like calories. If we take in more than we work out, we're going to be heavy. And we're going to be miserable. And the things we used to could easily do is going to be hard. Because we're carrying extra weight. We didn't work it out. We didn't burn it off. We just let it pile on. 
And then before we know it, we're like, how did we get this way? What, 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 how did this happen? It was one choice after another choice after another choice. One bad decision after another bad decision after another bad decision led to all of that extra coming on. And that's the way it is with our disappointments. It's just not as fun as eating the donuts. But the thing is, if I don't work through and work out those donuts, those donuts are going to do some damage. So she metabolized it as she went through it. Continually bowing, continually submitting, continually surrendering to his will, be it unto me, according to thy word. She was continually getting up every morning with that attitude. And if thy word brought a donkey her way, then that was his word. So she was saying, be it unto me when the angel came. She said, be it unto me when Joseph walked away. She said, be it unto me when he came back. She said, be it unto me every time she went to the well and no one would speak to her. She said, be it unto me when Caesar Augustus did what he did. So now she gets to Bethlehem. And all she wants to do is find a bed. Now, those of you who've ever had a, a, a child recently or within the last 20 years, y'all know that they have what's called a birthing plan. And you fill it out how you want it to go down. But how many of you know it never goes down the way you fill it out? So I really think it's a cruel joke that they even give it to you. Mine, both of mine didn't go down the way that, it was, that I had it all planned out on my little birthing plan. Okay? But here's the thing. You know Mary had that in her mind. She may not have had it on file down at Atrium. But she had it filed away in her mind. Every woman does. All right, she wanted to be near her mama. She wanted to be in her bed. She wanted to have her midwife that she had gotten used to. She could at least have that, right? Nope. Nope. This is how I know Mary metabolized this. Because even when this didn't go her way, we don't read about an epic meltdown. Because I think when in after in after in was slamming the door in my face, I'd have climbed down off that donkey, and I'd have told that innkeeper a thing or two. I'd have gone and yanked his wife out of his bed and said, move over. <laughs> That's what we do when we had too much, and it's too piled on. We have a meltdown or a blow-up according to what your personality is wired as. Some of you are meltdown people. Some of you are blow-up people. All right, but when we stuff and we stuff and we stuff and it gets harder and then it gets harder and then it gets harder, the epic blow-up or meltdown happens. But what Mary did not do was the epic blow-up or meltdown. She walked or waddled or, or crawled into that stable at that point and just accepted it. I mean, if, if, if God had this for his son, who was she to thumb her nose at it? Who was she to say, no, this is not good enough? I mean, this was his son. This was, this was his, his only begotten son. And I think what we do sometimes, because Mary could have said, wait, this is my son too. 
I'm the one that carried him for nine months. I'm the one that's going to take care of him and feed him. I'm the one going to change his diaper. Can I have some, at least a call in the shots somewhere? But she knew he wasn't hers. She had no part in this. She was just a vehicle carrying him. Her part was the surrender part, and she didn't forget that. But I think a lot of times when we get saved, Lord Jesus, come and live in me, purchase me, redeem me, and then we walk away and say, wait, it's my life. Don't I get to call some shots in it? And I think Jesus sometimes says, oh, wait, what did I buy exactly when I purchased you at Calvary? If I bought you, then I bought the rights to you. And sometimes he's going to send a donkey that totally disrupts our plans. It's going to be unforeseen, unexpected, unwanted, and here it comes. Not going to be what she wanted, but here it is. What Mary did not allow to happen, she did not allow this donkey to take those corner pieces out of the picture that we talked about last week. God is good. God does good. This is for my good, and this is for his glory. Those were the corner pieces that did not move for Mary, no matter what was happening. I'm afraid what we do is we make those corner pieces negotiable when it's not supposed to be negotiable. This is non-negotiable. It's not on the table for discussion. This is truth. This is fact. This is real. This is mine. So when she sees the stable, she realizes, okay, it's another hard. It's another difficult. So the realities that were firmly in her mind, remember what Gabriel led out with. You're highly favored, you're blessed, and the Lord is with you. That was her reality at the proclamation. That was her reality when all she saw was Joseph's back walking away. She was blessed, highly favored, and the Lord was with her. That was her reality at the well when no one would speak to her. She was blessed, she was highly favored, and the Lord was with her. It was also her reality when she's on this donkey. She was blessed, she was highly favored, and the Lord was with her. See, that reality doesn't change. Circumstances come and circumstances go. But those three things were hers. No one could take those away. Now, girls, that's your reality too. You are highly favored, you are blessed, and the Lord is with you. No matter what donkey you're riding on right now. If it's the donkey of a rebellious child, if it's the donkey of job issues, if it's the donkey of marital issues, if it's the donkey of grandkid issues, if it's the donkey of health issues, I don't know what it is you're facing, but that donkey does not have permission to take away the love of God, your position in God, and the presence of God out of your life. It does not get that permission. That donkey could not take Jesus away from her. And neither do our donkeys. They do not get permission to take Jesus from you. 
He's yours. His presence, his, your position, his power, his love, his favor, all of that is yours, whether you're on the donkey or whether you're on the dirt floor of a stable. Now, that dirt floor was not at all how she envisioned the Messiah coming to earth. Not at all. It's not how we would have planned it either. But we know there was a reason behind it. It wasn't just so we would have cute Christmas plays with our two and three-year-olds dressed up like sheep. That wasn't the purpose. It wasn't the plan. That's not, that's not the reason. What was behind it was the providential hand of God. Because he had a group of ragtag shepherds that he needed to get to Jesus. And had she been in a cushy inn in a bed, those shepherds wouldn't have been allowed in the door. But because they were in the shepherd's area of expertise, they were quite accessible to these shepherds. See, had Mary not followed the direction where God pointed her in, even though it was a dirt floor, those shepherds would have missed Jesus altogether. And that's what we talked about last couple of weeks. Our dirt floor moments, okay? Our donkey gets us to where we need to be in this life, the position God has for us. The dirt floor moments makes Jesus accessible to all those around us. They get to see him when they would normally not get to see him. And when we're in a cushy bed and everything's coming up roses, people don't see Jesus in our life very much. Because we don't need him. Remember we talked about that correlation between need and knees. Need drives us to our knees. And when we need him, that's when he's the most real to us ever. It's when we hang on his every word. It's when we got to have him or we ain't going to make it. That's when people are like, wow, look at what Jesus is doing in that life. And we become a vehicle through which other people get Jesus. Through, through which other people shine and see him from us, and then they can turn around and do the same thing. That's the way it is in God's economy. He's got it set up that way. But the problem is, a lot of times, we love our plan so much that getting Jesus to other people is just not worth it. We place such a value on what we want we don't place the value on who we need and who they need. See, it's all according to where you put your value. See, that's how Mary was able to say, be it unto me, according to that word so quickly, because she placed so much value on getting the Messiah to the earth. She was going to endure what she had to endure just to have this fulfilled. Whatever she went through was totally worth what it was that was going to be here because of it. So what we do is we put so much value on our comfort, on easy, on simple, on normal, on peaceful, everybody being happy, everybody, you know, all this kind of stuff, everything just being okay. 
All right, we put such a value on that, that's why we overreact when that gets taken away. Watch your reactions because you'll see where your priorities are. If you fly mad when something comes up against the way you think it's going to be, whoa, take, take a step back. I'm getting too used to calling the shots here. But if you respond and react sweetly and you metabolize it and you work through as you walk through and you surrender and you're sweet with all of these kind of things, then you're putting the, the, the emphasis and you're putting the value on what is it, God, you're trying to do in my life. What is it you're trying to teach me in my life? Now, hours later, lying on that cold dirt floor, holding Jesus in her arms, Mary looked back at all of the way in the path and the twists and the turns and the potholes it took to get her to that holding Jesus in her arms moment. And I believe with all my heart all that other stuff, it didn't matter anymore. Because you see, all that mattered was he's here. This is him. This is the one that's going to save my people. This is the one we've longed for, we've waited for. It didn't matter she was lying on a dirt floor. It didn't matter she had a sore honey from a donkey ride. It, it didn't matter that nobody was speaking to her in Nazareth. It didn't matter. All that mattered was a crystal clear moment of clarity. Oh, it's all about him. It's not about me at all. It's about his will, his plan. He trumps all of this other stuff. It's all about him. Now, keep in mind, Mary's disappointments and Mary's difficulties weren't over. She was going to have to run for their life to get away from an angry king and go live in Egypt for a while. I know that wasn't on her radar. And I know Calvary was not what she was thinking. And I know watching them, them kill her son was not what she had in mind when she was lying on that dirt floor. But the dirt floor was getting her ready for Egypt, and it was getting her ready for Calvary one day. Because none of Jesus' ministry looked like what she thought it was going to look like. It didn't look like what any Jew thought it was going to look like. So she still had some expectations she needed to metabolize. She had not arrived even then. So do you think one day when, the, when John the disciple was tasked at the cross with taking care of Mary, do you think when Mary was sitting across and holding her wrinkled hand and he said, Mary, tell me the story again. Tell me about the angel, Mary. Tell me about Bethlehem. Tell me about this. Do you think Mary sat up and said, John, honey, let me tell you about hard. Ain't nobody known hard like I knew, John. In fact, John, would you like to hold a press conference? I can tell everybody about it. Do you think that's how Mary was? Do you think that's what she focused on? Was how hard it was for her? No. She focused on the wonder of him and the awe of what God had let her be a small part of. Girls, we all have got hard. We do. We've all got hard. 
but none of us got a sad song to sing. Because we got him. And it's all about him. And he makes no mistakes. And we're highly favored. And we've got his presence. And we are blessed. Even when we're in a dirt floor moment, or a donkey moment, or a disappointment of some sort, those three facts cannot be taken away from you. And in that crystal clear moment of reality, it all came to Mary and she went, bingo. None of this was about me at all. I was privileged to just be a part. It's all about the one that I'm holding in my arms. And for us, it's all about the one who's holding us in his arms. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being your child. Thank you for the privilege of having a will where I get to choose to cooperate with you or not. That will is the biggest battle we'll have on this earth. And God, I'm asking that, Father, you would work on those attitudes and those emotions that goes behind those wills. Help us, Lord, to metabolize these disappointments as they come our way and put them in their proper place, always down below you and your will. God, thank you that nothing that comes our way has permission to take your presence, your favor, your love, your plan, your will, your purpose, or your blessings away from us. Thank you that it's all about you. Help us to keep that firmly in front of us, firmly in our mind, that it's all about you. And God, if we'll do that, we will handle the disappointments in a much better fashion. Mary showed us it's possible. But God, we may have to drag some things out of closets. We may have to look at these deaths, and we may have to journal it out, work through it, walk through it, pray it through, lay it down, surrender it. There's a lot of work and a process to giving things a proper burial. God, help us to drag these things out and not let the devil play the shame game. But God, talk it through, pray it through, talk to somebody if we need to because it's going to hold us back if we don't. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and your disappointments, even the disappointments, are still for our good. Help us to keep those puzzle pieces firmly in place. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you are enjoying these lessons on emotions, go to pbcpanapolis.org to purchase Miss Amy's book, Full Disclosure. Real talk about raw emotions today.